Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not, right, multifocal. not multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Good morning, I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, and welcome to Open Your Eyes Radio. Please listen as I discuss the newest information in the world of health, nutrition, sports, every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central Time on AM 1280, The Patriot. Also, Please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-R-R-Y-G-E-L-B at gmail.com. And visit my website, drkerrygelb.com. We all got the message. Avoid the sun at all costs. But is, this, but is the sun truly dangerous? Is the sun truly our enemy? Today's guest, Matt Maruka, has spent thousands and thousands of hours studying the pros and cons of sun exposure. And what he uncovered may surprise you. Matt suffered from health problems as a teen, and through his research and trial and error with different diets, eventually found health. Matt is here to share how he found help with his unique lifestyle called the Light Diet. Matt's company, R.A. Optics, Optics, R.A. as in the Sun God, that's R.A. Optics, creates fashionable glasses used to filter blue light from digital devices. Matt, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate you having me. You know, it's been a while since I saw you in Mexico, and it's always great to see you. you you've been doing great work, and, you know, you're creating these, these lenses for people to help them with their sleep and help them on the computer feel more comfortable, protect them from the blue light, from digital devices. But I do have to ask you, there was a new study that just came out. Now, as an optometrist, most optometrists do recommend blue filtering lenses, lenses that your company makes. But there was a study that came out from Cochrane. And Cochrane, they looked at 17 studies. It was a meta-analysis. And basically, they found that blue blocking glasses, they were saying, really doesn't do anything, doesn't really help people. So I want you to break down that study and are they are they filtering light at 455 nanometers, which is the light that bothers people when they're looking at the computer, that's affecting their sleep, that's affecting them uh, on the computer in general, or is there something else that you've noticed in that study? Because there has been a lot of positive studies that show that 
filtering blue light is very helpful, especially sleep. So I want you to be able to respond to that study by Cochrane. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you bringing it up, uh, Dr. Carey. So I was fortunate that a few people actually sent me that study in the last couple of days because there was some press coming out about it. And first of all, the conclusion of the study wasn't that they don't work, which is what a lot of press outlets actually report. But, you know, obviously press outlets just have to say whatever gets clicks and attention. So the its very nature is a little bit deceiving, deceitful, or inclined to deceit. But anyhow, anyhow, uh, they just basically concluded there needs to be further study, and the studies they they followed didn't show very significant results. So, uh, there. For, first of all, so I have I've gone through it in some detail. I haven't gone through every single little bit because I just got it re uh, the other day, and there's a bunch of more there are a bunch of more detailed studies, uh, which all of which I have not been through completely. However, that being said, with a pretty solid overview and analysis. Uh, one of the things that's that's very apparent is that they're using in the studies that were reviewed because it's a meta-analysis, so they didn't actually do any research themselves other than reviewing other studies. So they didn't do any experimentation, I should say. The many of the studies that they reviewed are using clear lenses, and so this is a great opportunity for us to talk about clear lens blue light glasses and and the fallacy of them and and why they don't work and how we know that. Um, so clear lens blue light glasses are lenses that have what's called in the industry as you as you know a UV four twenty coating or something similar to that, where they're blocking ultraviolet light and blue light up to four hundred twenty nanometers blue and indigo light, and they're not blocking virtually any light beyond that. Maybe they block. 20% at 430 nanometers, but by the time they get up to 455 nanometers, which is the center of the peak of blue light emitted by LEDs, which are the main modern light source today and everywhere you go, and screen devices, which are also based on generally LED technology, those lenses are blocking none of that spike of blue light coming off these modern light sources and screen devices. And therefore, we can say that they're ineffective at protecting from this light. And I've actually had, I've done, I have a great video on YouTube I filmed years ago. Um, you know, we didn't promote it a ton, so it hasn't been viewed a lot. But now I think it's a great time because people are becoming more aware. It's called Blue Light Glasses Exposed. Uh, and basically, you know, anybody can look that up. It's actually clear lens blue light glasses exposed. And we we go through, I test probably 12 leading brands from Amazon, from all over, and show that when we put them up to a computer screen, they, they don't actually block any significant amount of the blue light coming off that screen. And so I was shocked to see that, that researchers, intelligent researchers who pr presumably are spending a good amount of money and funding on this study, didn't even take the time to understand whether the lenses in the studies that they're reviewing actually even block any blue light at all. It just shows the state of the industry and the state of the world uh, in this in this space is very unaware uh, of, of the problem. So that's one of the main flaws in the study. Now, that being said, there were several uh, sub-studies, let's say, or studies that they were reviewing that use orange lenses. So there were a few uh, out of the 17, and these generally have more favorable results. They see more of an impact, but again, 
that, that there's no study that I'm aware of where they took lenses like ours, which we know block the right wavelengths, and have them wear them in a really consistent fashion over several weeks from the moment the sun goes down until they go to sleep. Now, the cool thing is at the end of the day, I don't even have to argue for this, right? It's like, um, if you prove that something works, and then the government or the scientists or somebody else, whatever, for whatever reason wants to dispute that, um, sometimes people feel the need that they have to kind of you know, let's say cater to the haters, they need to come out and kind of argue with these people. I don't feel even the slightest necessity for that. Why? Well, we know that our products work for a few reasons. One, based on the mechanisms. So the, at least the mechanisms give a very solid foundation, I should say. It's not alone proof of efficacy, but we know that blue light sets our body's circadian rhythm. And it's very well established in the literature that blue light at night disrupts the body's natural production of melatonin in the circadian rhythm. So it really only logically follows if, if that science is correct, which, which if it's not, then they have a big issue on their hands in, in circadian rhythm research, because if, this is the foundation of all of it effectively. And the Nobel Prize was given in 2017 for the discovery of the circadian mechanism in fruit flies, the, the elucidation, I should say, the elaboration of it. Anyway, so we had this, uh, we had this partnership. So that's, first of all, the mechanisms are, are the one thing that we have very strong evidence around. Interrupt you just for a second as we've got about two minutes coming up to the break. Yeah. Why do we want to block blue light? Yeah, that's a great question. So blue light is the component of light from the sun that controls our body's rhythm, right? So we actually have this rhythm inside of us that follows the light of the sun in order to know whether it's day or night, right? And so that's essentially the, the issue is that when we have blue light at night, it can actually throw off our body's natural rhythm and prevent us from making enough of this melatonin, this important hormone, which can allow us to repair and sleep properly. Now, during the day, that's not a concern because we don't want to go to sleep during the day. During the day, high energy blue light from LEDs and screens can actually disrupt our retinal health. It can actually cause damage to the retina. And just to close off that last point, the, the way we know that our lenses work are the mechanisms in the science. The second thing is the fact that we have so much anecdotal evidence, both personally and from tens of thousands of customers that they work just from, again, anecdotal da data and reviews. And thirdly, we had a partnership last year with Aura, the maker of the Aura sleep tracking ring, which is one of the most accurate sleep tracking wearable devices. And they track heart rate variability, deep sleep, all these things. And I'll just wrap this up because I'm aware we have a break coming. So Several thousand Aura customers got our glasses, Raw Optics, as a free gift from Aura in exchange for uh, referring a friend to purchase one of those rings. And the people who got this didn't necessarily expect results, but we saw deep sleep scores improving immediately, heart rate variability, sleep latency, time to fall asleep. So we have very, very good data that our products work. And so I'm not concerned about what these poorly organized studies find. You know, when we talk about melatonin and the importance of melatonin, and melatonin is a very important, not only to help us sleep, but it's an antioxidant, and there's been studies that it's anti-cancer, so blocking melatonin could be very dangerous. We were talking about why we want to block the blue light coming off digital devices. So if you could go into that a little bit more, where look, people are looking at digital devices all day long, and as an optometrist, 
we recommend that people do filter blue light. You know, do you block 100% of the blue light? Do you block 50% of the blue light? So sometimes it gets confusing. How much of the blue light do you want to filter? You just filter it or do you block it all? And when it comes to different times of the day, maybe you want to block a little bit more. So if you could explain that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll say first of all, so I didn't just go into this, let's say blind as a as a, you know, teenager, I had been studying the research myself, as you mentioned, and I appreciate you mentioning that earlier on, in the introduction, I've been researching this, at that point, at least for hundreds of hours on my own time in high school, trying to understand light and health and the relevance based on my own personal health challenges and health experience. And then I came across uh, different experts in the space, like Dr. Jack Cruz, who, of course, you, you've interviewed in the past for your documentary, and that's how we first connected. And then the cool, one of the cool things about Dr. Jack Cruz was that even though he is, he's a neurosurgeon, so formally trained as a clinician and, and an expert effectively in biology and, and actual practice of taking scientific information and, and making it applicable for people's health, he refer, he didn't just make a bunch of stuff up himself. He referenced thousands of studies and and dozens of authors and researchers and books. And so I went actually and read these books and, and some of these studies, and I actually went and met with some of these researchers. And so when I was developing my company, it was based on very, very in-depth study, at least of what existed at that time in 2017. And there's even more evidence now supporting this. So anyway, uh, one of the researchers I work with now on our product development, I think would make a great guest as well for your show down the road. His name's Dr. Alexander Wunsch, and he is a leading photobiology expert and researcher based in Germany. Anyway, he has some great, uh, you know, some great resources on the internet. So for the show notes of this podcast on YouTube, I'll, I'll send you some stuff that we can include there. Anyway, so so what he's shared with me as as we've as I've studied from him and we've worked together on developing products is that there are two main risks with blue light as we touched on a little bit earlier at nighttime the biggest risk is melatonin suppression because that blue light's actually telling our brain it's daytime and that we should wake up when it's actually not daytime when it's time for us to prepare to go to sleep and we need that melatonin coming out as as you mentioned it just before the last break we need melatonin because it's a free radical scavenging molecule so melatonin basically has been proven to be a molecule that goes out while during the day our cells basically produce energy and there's this damage that happens as a result of metabolism kind of like you could think of it like when you burn a fire there's usually some smoke it's not always clean burning well in our cells the smoke is called reactive oxygen species or free radical molecules and these are these molecules that are produced in the process of metabolism that uh, they're very important signaling molecules but in excess they can actually become harmful and an example when we produce too much reactive oxygen species is when, for example, we have toxins in our cells, in our body, or when we have too much blue light in our environment and not enough natural sunlight or red and near infrared light from the sun, which helps to power a healthy metabolism. So anyway, melatonin comes in and actually scavenges these free radicals, effectively helping to heal our cells and bringing us a little bit closer to life compared to death. And, and every day it's that dance of we age a little bit while we're awake, all this metabolism, and we sleep and we get a little bit back closer to sort of life and birth. And then again, and then the difference in how much we can repair every day is basically the process of aging over a lifetime. And so just by using a pair of simple lenses that block blue light, 
which they allow this simple mechanism to work properly, we can actually improve our cellular repair and improve our health, improve our vitality, improve our longevity. It's very simple. And everybody knows that sleep is so critical for health, but very few people are talking about the most simple mechanisms that underpin sleep, which is the circadian rhythm, light and dark, day and night, and then blue light being the core signal. So our lenses are much, much more effective when you look deeper than people would think on the surface because you could think that they're just colored lenses someone would wear at a music festival. And a lot of our customers do wear them at music festivals because they look cool and they're really high quality compared to the ones that you could buy on Amazon for 10 bucks. And then they have fun with that and they protect their their melatonin levels and their retina from all the flashing lights at night. So it works out really well. And then all their friends ask them where they got them. So anyway, that's the, the, the core mechanism at night is melatonin that we want to be taken care of. Now, during the day, to, to your more immediate question about filtering blue light, how much to filter? So I would say at night, we basically want to filter 100%. In fact, our lenses, our sunset lenses, which are these red, reddish, red-orange lenses that we have for night, they're designed not for optimal color perception or anything like that, although we do the best we can, but they're optimized for blocking blue light and green light. Because there is some evidence, although limited, that green light can also influence our circadian rhythm at least more than the, the more warm colors of fire, red, orange, and yellows. Those colors are much more relaxing, warming, and less disruptive to our rhythm. So that's why these lenses, we found that that particular combination of pigments and color and darkness that we have in the sunset lenses is really great for melatonin and sleep. And again, the, the customers uh, from this Aura partnership we had who were wearing these sleep tracking rings and they've been wearing them, some of them for years, and they know when they drink alcohol, it affects their sleep negatively. When they eat late, it affects their sleep negatively. So these people know what's going on. So when they put on a simple pair of glasses and even the first night they'd see that their deep sleep score goes up significantly, it's a big deal, right? Anyway, now the daylight lenses, the yellow lenses I'm wearing right now were created for a different purpose, which is to your, your most recent question. So I understood when I was learning about this that we should block blue light at night to protect our sleep. But then I found myself actually in school sitting under these fluorescent lights, and I felt like my eyes were burning through my skull. And that I would get migraine headaches throughout high school, and I never knew why. I didn't realize that it was the fluorescent lights overhead, which have been shown to cause migraines. They're, they're, it's, it's well known that they cause migraines. Um, and there's a flicker that occurs because of our power grid. And so this only exacerbates the problem of this of these of these lights they're also this is a whole a whole another can of worms but most fluorescent lights in fact all fluorescent lights use mercury vapor and so the the same photons of light that are emitted by fluorescent lamps are the same ones that accurate merc activate mercury in the body so anybody who has a lot of mercury in their body which is most people because most people have been uh basically vaccinated and vaccines use mercury for the most part. And it's, I know it's a touchy subject, but it's just a fact. And nobody, nobody would deny that. That light actually can activate the mercury in our body that we also could get through if you leave, live near a coal plant or you're exposed to normal toxins. That light can actually activate that, stimulate that mercury. And when the, when the mercury is dormant, it's not a problem for our body for the most part. But it's when it starts getting activated and, and, and flushed out, that's when it becomes a, a problem. So anyway, fluorescent lamps are a whole can of worms. And thankfully, at least they're being replaced by LEDs, which are still bad, but not maybe not quite as bad. So anyway, during the day, blue light doesn't, it doesn't negatively affect our sleep because we don't want to sleep, right? We want to be awake. Now, here's the thing. When we go indoors into a classroom or into an office or into a, a big box store, there's no longer any sunlight. And sunlight, as we touched on a little bit earlier, is really important for a few things. It's important for our circadian rhythm. 
And it's also important for our cellular metabolism. So our mitochondria, cellular engines that produce energy from food, they actually use sunlight energy as a, as a power source, much like how your car engine, for example, you take gasoline, you put it in and it burns the gasoline. But in order for the car to be able to burn the gasoline, it needs an ignition system that works properly. You need spark plugs to fire. So you need to put in some energy in the first place to get more energy out of the gasoline. And that's essentially what light does. It helps optimize our mitochondria so that they can burn the food we're consuming properly, right? So if we live indoors and we're not getting this natural sunlight, we become deficient in that. And our cells actually don't work as well when we don't have that full spectrum sunlight, especially the red and the near infrared wavelengths. They help support our metabolism. Now, why is this relevant for our, for our eyes and, and retinal protection? Well, because the German doctor who I mentioned earlier, who I've been working with on product development, he's actually shown me some of the research that he's gone into. They're actually live analyses of cells exposed to blue light. There are videos that you can actually watch. And I'll see if we can get those videos to share with the audience. I don't know if they're public or if they're in, in some studies, but basically you can see when you look at these cells exposed to just blue light, the cells actually start degrading essentially because blue light like ultraviolet is higher in energy and more essentially it could be more toxic. Um, oxid it can increase this again, reactive oxygen species. So over time it can damage these cells. Now, in, in, in this is in an acute cell culture they're studying. And then if they combine blue light with near infrared in the same experiment, there's significantly less cell degradation going on in these in these studies. And I've actually watched these videos. So and let so, me ask you a question because yeah. when you're looking at a digital device, your the blue light is unopposed. You're not yeah, getting exactly blue, you're not getting UV. Correct. So, That's it. Is it are you having the same danger when you're outside in the sun? as you are when you're looking at a digital device, because the current thinking and the current medical thinking is that the sun has a lot more energy and a lot more blue light energy, and it's much more dangerous than looking at a digital device. But I think what people don't realize is that the digital device, the light, the blue light is unopposed. It's not balanced exactly. like when you're out in the sun. Yeah, Dr. Carey, I think that's the best term I've actually heard used. I haven't even thought of that. It's exactly it's unopposed. And that's where the mainstream perspective gets wrong because they don't realize that the sun is about 42% near infrared light, which actually has this protective and healing mechanism. And even in intensities, because I'll, I'll be the first to admit it, even my computer screen at its brightest is at least 10 times weaker than the sun. It's significantly weaker, right? And so if we have this blue light from the screen, but it's unopposed and it's not in a balanced spectrum, it's this high intensity spike around 455, there is again evidence that we can see more retinal damage. And this is also what the mechanistic science indicates. And so again, I'm not saying this is the definitive truth, but this is what the evidence we have to go off of is showing. So we're up against a break, but I think it's interesting. And you know, in the eye community, there is some controversy here, but when you look at the rodent studies, it is showing that there is damage at the retinal cell level in, in animal studies. And also, I don't think people realize that most of the melatonin is, is made in the mitochondria. It's not made in the pineal gland. Yeah. Uh, we're with Matt Maruka. Uh, he is from RA Optics. We'll be right back after the break. Macu Health. Your science born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. I'm back with Matt Maruka. 
Matt Maruka, who's giving us great information on light. He's giving us great information on filtering light. Uh, and I want to get into the sun a little bit in this in this in this segment. Uh, Matt, I just, people want to look up more about Matt. He has the light diet on uh, Twitter, which is now called X. He's on Instagram, and you could go to his website, raoptics.com. So Matt, 92% of the average American spends their life indoors. So I would like for you to comment on that and tell us why the sun is beneficial. We're told by dermatologists and physicians, really. I mean, I've grown up, you know, going through school that the sun is bad, but now that oh, there's a lot of research out there, the sun really isn't so bad. We need that sun, but we need safe sun. We need to build up, as you, as the experts in this field call it, a, a sun callus. Yeah. So they have to gradually be able to build up being in the sun. And there's so many benefits of the sun. Talk to me about some of the benefits of being in the sun and why the sun is important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are some really interesting studies that have come out in the last couple of years regarding sunlight. One in particular was from 2016 by a, a Swedish guy named Lindqvist, uh, and it's called Avoidance of Sun Exposure as a Risk Factor for Major Causes of Death. And they were actually studying melanoma, and they found that those who avoided sunlight actively had nearly double the risk of all-cause mortality, or I should say double the rate of all-cause mortality, so death from all diseases, than those who actively sought out the sun. And those who were just kind of in the middle, not really actively seeking the sun, not really actively avoiding, were right in the middle. And this was a lifetime study of uh, quite a few Swedish women. I believe it was, uh, let's see, it was, it, was, it was several dozen at least. So anyway. Um, it was 20,000. 20,000 20, Swedish. Women. Okay, you got it. Thank you. So it's quite a few. Exactly. So there, this is a very significant study because now thank you for the update because the numbers are significantly greater than I had, uh, I had thought. So basically, there, this is one study, there are quite a few, there are some reviews as well, some really great meta analyses. Um, one, I believe is called risks and benefit of sunlight exposure. I think that it was the year was like 2017. And they had that in the title, something like that, or 2018. But anyway, these researchers, um, they are genuinely looking at the effects of sunlight, I think, in a really authentic and honest way, some of them, some obviously, if they're biased by the dermato dermatological industry and they have a conflict of interest with selling sunscreen or selling sunglasses, then that might not be the most uh, genuine research, but as people can you know easily understand. But some of these studies have been conducted by who appear to be very intelligent and very mm, curious minds who are willing to question the existing paradigm of sunlight. And anyway, so these findings are pretty significant that that the sun that avoiding the sunlight is actually on the same or a similar magnitude of risk as smoking cigarettes. That's a pretty strong conclusion, um, you know, for them to make. That's exactly the conclusion they made. That actually, I, I just interrupt you. They actually concluded that it was at greater risk avoiding the sun than smoking cigarettes fascinating yeah that that's very significant so um yeah they, they so in other words non-smokers so people who don't smoke but they avoid sun have life life expectancy similar to smokers uh and so it's a really big issue uh that that 
we've they've identified in avoiding sun. I'm I'm really glad that you know you you're familiar with this research. So essentially, let's just step back from there. I like to just kind of give people a little bit more context, right? For somebody who's not even maybe familiar with this. So if we look at if we look at Earth and we look at life on Earth, there's really no dispute among uh, serious biologists that sunlight is the primary energy source for life on Earth, right? There's really no dispute about that in biology. Even in early, at early ages, we learned that sunlight is what drives photosynthesis and photosynthesis is what makes all of the food we consume, which is what gives us energy to function and to live. And so what that essentially means is that, again, all of our energy, the majority of our energy is coming from sunlight, much of which is through food, but it turns out you know, food was relatively new, let's say, innovation in biology. For a long time, living organisms just operated just off of the, the chemicals that were surrounding them in the environment. So consuming other smaller organisms, is, I should say, is, a, is something that was a little bit more developed later on in biology. Now, we've always, as, as far as the, uh, let's say, evolutionary record goes, for a very long time, we've used sunlight energy to power our biology. And we can see this when we look at our cells. There are so many processes that are coordinated in our cells by light. So as, as we discussed a little bit earlier, there's the circadian rhythm, which is set by blue light in the morning from the sun. There, for example, there is the energy production in our mitochondria, which is powered by the red and near-infrared primarily from the sun. And so recently, and, and I imagine you've seen red light therapy has gotten very popular because of its efficacy. And there are thousands now of peer-reviewed studies on the efficacy of red light and near-infrared light therapy. So we're actually developing some really high quality red light and near-infrared light therapy panels, the, the first broad spectrum LED panels in the space um, with some really cool customization options for sort of brainwave frequencies. We're working with this German expert on these panels. So anyway, we know that these many of these functions are powered by sunlight. We know that vitamin D is powered by sunlight, right? So I would say to the, the curious mind, one would, one would ask the question, well, wait, why are there so many things in our body that, that directly require sunlight or wavelengths of light that until modern man-made light were only found from the sun besides vitamin D? It's not just vitamin D. There are so many different effects, right? Well, why would that be? Well, could it be that the sun is actually one of the driving power sources of evolution, which we know it is, and that our biology actually found ways to utilize all of this available energy in the environment, which we know that life does. And could it be that we did the same thing with sun, just like so many other living organisms have done, including plants? And the answer is, in fact, yes, that is the case. We have all sorts of systems in our body, like the production of melanin in our skin, um, again, the production of vitamin D that respond directly to light, not just through the food we consume, which is essentially crystallized light energy. Um, that's the only thing that makes our food any different from dirt is that it actually has sunlight energy stored in it. And so, and that, that we can use. So anyway, all that's to say, I believe that the place that the uh, mainstream dermatologist and, and uh, even the mainstream optometry industry that's demonizing sunlight, it goes wrong because it misses the, the fundamental basis of life, which is that sunlight is the primary energy source for life. Now, is there evidence that excess ultraviolet light can cause cancer? Yeah, there is. And, you know, we don't want to ignore that reality. We want to be aware of that. 
and advocate that people get healthy, safe sun exposure within reasonable doses, which is what Dr. Wunsch, the German doctor I work with, recommends is reasonable, healthy, safe sun exposure, not overdosing, not burning, but actually, again, within moderation. There are so that's the kind of the core answer. And I'd love to share a little bit more about these. I mean, I mean yeah. it's been shown that if you burn yourself, you increase your risk of melanoma. But there's been studies with indoor workers and outdoor workers and, you know, people who work outdoors three to 10 times, get three to 10 times more sun than indoor workers. And they have no more melanoma and maybe less incidence of melanoma than people who work indoors and never get sun. So yeah. it's, it's not so cut and dry. I, I think, you know, if, yeah. you know, if you took a tree outside, an orange tree, and you put a tarp on top of it, the orange tree is going to die. But, you know, why is it that 92% of us don't ever even get out in the sun? So I yeah. think there's some very, very good evidence that the sun is in, that the sun is very important. And when we were talking about uh, melatonin and the mitochondria before, 95% of the melatonin is made in the mitochondria. And we talked a little bit about melatonin, possibly there's new evidence that it's that you need melatonin, it decreases the risk of cancer. And one of the reasons is it increase melatonin increases apoptosis. So you get apoptosis from being out in the sun you're getting, and also autophagy. So if you yeah. want to talk about those two, apoptosis, autophagy, uh, and how that helps us, you know, and why that's important. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to share. So apoptosis and autophagy, I would recommend people actually straight to Dr. Jack Cruz as well. Uh, he did a podcast recently with uh, a friend of mine, a music producer as well, Rick Rubin, uh, who's pretty well-known music producer and started a really great podcast recently interviewing all sorts of scientists and all sorts of different experts uh, as well as actors and musicians. So anyway, this guy, I would look up this podcast, Rick Rubin and Dr. Jack Cruz, and he actually gets really deep into the science more than we would even be able to about the importance of apoptosis and autophagy here. So just a shout out there, but basically to give the summary of, of that, that uh, research. So apoptosis and autophagy are really important programs in our cells that they use to basically react to the environment and, and keep us healthy. So autophagy is the process of repairing old damaged uh, cells and, and maintaining their components because it takes a lot of energy to create a whole new cell if you don't have to, right? And But apoptosis is when a cell is too far gone, let's say, and it just basically can uh, organize cell suicide, right? And so we need those processes to be functioned properly for example, in order to prevent the, the expansion of cancerous growths, right? We need that to work. And if it doesn't work, then we could see, again, more growths happening that shouldn't be. So that's really what apoptosis and autophagy are. They're, they're very important biological functions that if they're out of balance, it can become an issue. And yes, there is evidence that the sun actually, through things like vitamin D, helps to actually regulate these processes and we need them to work properly in order to be healthy. Well, that's great information and it helps with some of the mechanisms. A lot of people don't realize that the sun has benefits. You know, 92% of the average American spends their life indoors and really gets very, very little sun. And you would never, if you were growing a tree outside and you wouldn't put a tarp on it, we know what would happen so if you had an apple tree and you put a tarp on it, it most likely would die. And so we need sun. We talked about why there's 
the sun actually gives them two thirds of the energy as opposed to food, which is about a third of the energy. And if I have that wrong, Matt, you correct me on that. That's uh, about accurate. Yeah, there's some varying estimates, but there have been some really um, solid estimates that sunlight actually is responsible for up to two thirds of the energy our cells use. And we talked about how the sun produces uh, melatonin and uh, and that the melatonin is created in the mitochondria and people think that the melatonin may be created in the pineal gland, but it's actually 95% is created in the mitochondria. And mitochondria gives us energy. So we need to be out in the sun and through apoptosis and autophagy, we could decrease the risk of cancer and, and increasing vitamin D, which, uh, which melatonin does because it improves our immune system. So let's talk about how the sun increases bone strength. So, of course, it's vitamin D. Vitamin D helps us absorb calcium. Can you speak a little bit about bone strength and the benefits of the sun there? Yeah, well, that would be one of the biggest mechanisms is that um, vitamin D, of course, helps us to absorb calcium better to make our bones stronger. One of the fascinating subjects that people aren't very familiar with is the work of a guy named Dr. Robert O. Becker, who basically discovered that all humans and living organisms actually operate on what's called bioelectromagnetism so that our cells actually utilize electricity to function. Now, this is a pretty, pretty big breakthrough because this wasn't previously known about. So essentially, uh, Becker was curious why salamanders and some other animals could actually regenerate entire limbs, but humans couldn't. So he went in actually in the, in the 60s and 70s and he was studying this and he would actually amputate limbs on salamanders and see how they were regrowing. So what was actually happening in that case with those salamanders? And he found that there's this electricity that's flowing in, in the bones and, and in, the, in the cells as well when he went to study this all further through our nerves and so on. And he ultimately documented this very complex um, process or system of electromagnetism or electromagnetic energy in our cells. Right. So anyway, as far as bones go, he discovered that bones regenerate using a process of electricity called semiconduction. So based on Becker's research, and this isn't something that's been deeply studied, but I would go as far as to say that just getting sunlight energy in general, just the, the, the sheer power of sunlight separate from the vitamin D mechanism can actually help to somehow enhance the energy in our cells, which would also enhance this uh, process of bone formation. Right. So it's not just about vitamin D. Vitamin D is kind of like a mediator molecule that lets calcium in, but the actual power behind growing bones and growing and optimizing all of our cellular health is actually coming from the sun. I would go as far as positing that based on the research that's out you know, there. There's been some research. I mean, in the, in the old days, people would have certain skin issues and they would actually put them in the sun uh, as, as a treatment. Could you talk about healing uh, skin conditions in the sun. Yeah, absolutely. So um, back in, I believe it was 1903, 1904, the Nobel Prize in Medicine was given to a Scandinavian guy from Denmark named Niels Finsen. And Niels Finsen basically had discovered that lupus vulgaris, which is tuberculosis of the skin, which was often fatal, could be treated with ultraviolet light. So again, there's another sort of uh, wrench in the 
the ideas and plans of the mainstream medical industry today, where they say ultraviolet's always bad. Well, if it's so bad, why is it that it got the Nobel Prize in, in the early 1900s for treating these, these bacterial infections? It actually kills the bad stuff, bacteria, for example, that could be toxic to us. And our cells are totally capable of handling the ultraviolet light. You know, of course, again, in excess, it can be damaging and even toxic and harmful, but not like it is for bacteria where it just kills them immediately. So anyway, that was uh, one of the biggest breakthroughs. And then from there, and I'm glad you brought this up because it leads into a subject I'd love to share about. There were these researchers in the, I should say, really clinicians in the Swiss Alps and Switzerland and France and Germany around the time of World War I, leading up to World War I, who on the back of this Nobel Prize and the research happening around light, phototherapy, they could call it, or you could call it heliotherapy using the sun, like Helios, the, the Roman god of sunlight, um, to actually treat all sorts of illnesses. And they had these clinics called heliotherapy clinics up in the Swiss Alps, high up in the elevation so that there's less atmosphere filtering the sun, the sun's stronger. Uh, anyway, and they would use this heliotherapy, these targeted sun treatments to treat all sorts of illnesses like lupus vulgaris. It was also found that kids in the U United Kingdom, when it was just as polluted as China is today or India is today, or even maybe worse in the Industrial Revolution, all these children in the late 1800s were getting rickets. Their bones weren't forming straight. They were all bent. And they understood that this had to do, again, with a lack of sunlight. No surprise, you know, lack of vitamin D. They can't absorb calcium properly. And just exposure to this ultraviolet light actually helped these children's bones to straighten out as they were still developing. And they used this heliotherapy to treat. So they treated tuberculosis of the skin. They treated rickets. They treated wounds. They kept wounds from getting infected and they helped them heal faster. They treated depression. They treated also or melancholy. You know, I don't think depression was really a concept then as it is now, but um, they treated all sorts of different issues very effectively. Now, part of the issue is that penicillin came out and the advent of penicillin basically meant that with a little pinch of white powder, you could cure most of the most uh, fatal diseases of the previous millennia these infectious diseases, right? And so Western medicine had appeared to triumph, had to have triumphed at that, at that moment that you just a little bit of white powder, penicillin, and you're good. You kill the bacteria that's responsible for most of the diseases that kill people. Well, today, almost nobody ever dies of bacterial infections in the developed Western world. But everybody's dying of Alzheimer's disease and heart disease and cancer. And these are these are illnesses where the body's simply failing to carry out its own functions properly. So how did we go from where the diseases killing us were diseases that were entirely infectious bacteria, things, bad things from outside of us to our bodies literally just failing to function and dropping dead? Like what is going on? Why is nobody diving into this? There's a lot more to this story than just light, although light is one of the main components we've hidden from our main power source. And I would go as far as to say that if anybody is exposed to healthy sunlight, their ability, and this isn't even a, a big step, but the ability of the body to detox is enhanced because when mitochondria work better, you can better detoxify from harmful substances in the environment. But so we're exposed not only to a lack of sunlight, let's say artificial light now, but we are exposed to all sorts of other chemicals like glyphosate, which has been proven to cause cancer in different you know, studies and lawsuits. Um, this is the main ingredient in Roundup, which is a major uh, herbicide that's used on all pretty much all crops today. There's obviously mercury we're exposed to both through vaccination, but also through all sorts of other um, ways. And so there's all sorts of toxins we're exposed to today, particularly in the United States that 
that our cells cannot tolerate, and especially when we're lacking sunlight to help optimize the detox processes. So, you know, the sun attracts immune cells to the surface of the skin, and everybody who who's had babies knows that sometimes with jaundice, they're going to be using UV light, and they use it for eczema and psoriasis. So the sun is definitely used and, and is recommended by the world, even the World Health Organization for certain, to treat certain and certain skin conditions. But as we wrap up right now, we want to make sure that people are having safe sun. They're not outside getting burnt and hurting themselves from the sun. So we're how do we make sure that in, in 15 seconds, how people make sure that they have safe sun and don't hurt themselves? Yeah, the main thing would be don't wear sunglasses because they turn off your body's own natural mechanisms for responding to sunlight when it's too bright and too hot and allow you to stay out a lot longer and still feel comfortable. So I would not use sunglasses. If you're squinting and your eyes hurt, it means you need to get out of the sun. So we're speaking with Matt Maruka, uh, Matt, if people want to find out more about you, how could they do that? Yeah, people could go to our website, raoptics.com. It's raoptics.com, named for the Egyptian god of sunlight. Uh, people could go to my Instagram page, The Light Diet, and the company page, raw, R-A underscore optics. Um, those would be the best places to learn more. Subscribe to our email list because we'll send out a bunch of great information to you uh, when you get to our website. And I want to thank Matt for joining me today. Uh, so much great information. I'm going to ask him to stay over for the next hour where we we will continue the benefits of the sun. And uh, he'll be able to share some more information about why we want to filter, why we want to, why we want to filter uh, uh, the blue light when we're looking at digital devices and the pros and cons of, of good and safe sun. Matt, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Carey. I appreciate it. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEbroadcasting.com and sign up today.